Welcome to Blue Blood Rivalry, Season 3, Episode 10. My name is Asan Pinto, and I'm here with Natalie Bodie, Remy Schwartz, and our super producer, Connor Dollard. Today, we're going to talk about Duke and Carolina, but this year, Duke and Carolina, and I might note Kentucky, are out of the top 25 for the first time since 1961. The Blue Devils have struggled in ACC play, and they are four and three in the conference and six and five overall. Down the road, Chapel Hill is six and three in the conference and 11 and five overall. Tar Heels haven't looked much better, but Garrison Brooks, Amando Baycott have been banging the boards hard and they found a big time outside shooter, Kerwin Walton. Natalie, Remy, Connor, y'all ready to roll and get into this? Ready to roll? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. Okay, we're back. Blue Blood TV. We're going to get into this talking about the Blue Devils' much-needed win against Georgia Tech. Um, Remy, how worried are you about the rest of the season? Well, Haas, honestly, I'd probably be lying if I said I wasn't worried, just like any other Duke fan. Um, Honestly, I didn't think I would ever see this time as, like, Duke student where our basketball team wasn't thriving and we – we're almost struggling to have a winning record. Um, so it's definitely been a surprise, but I do hope that this win will jumpstart a couple more wins and we'll maybe pay, piggyback off of it. All right. All right. Natalie, we're going to go over to Chapel Hill. North Carolina is third in ACC play, but they're out of the top 25. How do you feel about that in your senior year? Tell us how you feel, Natalie. You know, honestly, I'm sort of in a football season hangover right now because it is so much better on that side of things because you the expectations are a lot lower. So if we do better, it's just a pleasant surprise, whereas basketball, the expectations are so high. So if they're not met, it's just a disappointment. I mean, after last season, you were already looking better than our former season. So, okay, that, that makes you feel a little better. But 
we just kind of were shown that we're not invincible and that's just carried over to this season. Much of the same sentiment that I had 2019, 2020, I have for the 2020, 2021 squad. So I'm just trying not to get my hopes too far out, Poss. Okay. So let's just follow up on that. Let's talk about Garrison Brooks, Amando Baycott. Those guys are rebounding and they're putting the, the ball in the hoop. Why isn't Roy going to the more and why has it taken Roy so long to find Kerwin Walton as his outside shooter? Tell me, Natalie. I think it's difficult because his style of play, he always, this isn't an elite squad, in my opinion. Let's just put that out there. It's better than being 14, 19, like last year, but let's just, let's air that out. But hold on, hold on, Natalie. Don't you have a bunch of five stars walking in? I mean, I thought you were you begging do. me last. Why are they not playing like that? I agree. I agree. But if Duke has all the recruits too, and yet what do we see? More of the same. I saw a stat the other day. It's not recent. This actually might have been three, four weeks ago, but it was the first time that Duke, Carolina, and Kansas were all out of the top 25 in like 50 or 60 years. So if you really want to see a shakeup in college basketball, this is the year. I mean, you look at football schools, right? Like Oklahoma's good. Texas is good. These, these schools that are known for their football are killing us in basketball too. So regardless, coming back to your question, I don't know if after last year, to be honest, I think Roy totally had a blunder when he called his team the worst he had seen. I don't know the exact quote. Everyone knows what I'm talking about, though. If you're a Carolina fan, he basically said that they lack talent. Ever since that moment, I haven't really been able to predict what he does because I didn't think he would ever say that. And I think that takes a lot of belief away from your team. So since then, it's been very unpredictable. But I will say a lot of his teams are typically built off of strong post play. Armando Baycott's playing great. Garrison Brooks, Daron Sharp. But it's always that backcourt that's usually composed of freshmen that is going to dictate if the team actually, you know, reaches a high level when Kobe white was a freshman that surprised that really helped the backcourt, but it's more of the same. And, you know, I don't have the answer to us. Like I said, I can't predict him anymore. All right. All right. Right. Remy, I'm going back to you. Duke lost his first three games after the return of Jalen Johnson, but they looked much better against Georgia tech and seemed to finally have an offensive rhythm. Remy, why is this team struggling when they're healthy and what can Coach K do to turn this season around? I mean, I think it comes down to like a lack of consistent leadership as well as consistent play from individuals. I know we've talked about previously how we lack that veteran leadership. It's only Jordan Goldwire, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, but really the only one showing up consistently is Matthew Hurt for us. And I think that's one of our issues. I think right now it's really, we need to go and try to improve things game by game because we're not finding consistent pieces throughout the whole game. So I think focusing on one element, but really I think we need someone to step up and be there alongside Matthew Hurt because right now we only really have him, maybe DJ Stewart consistently. So we're just struggling to find enough players to make the pieces come together. So, so Remy, as a follow-up, do you think some of this is the empty stadiums? Maybe, those guys were looking forward to playing in Cameron Indoor, going to Madison Square Garden, playing home games before Duke Nation, and they're just playing in front of Coach K. Do you think that maybe have something to do with it, Remy? I mean, 
Maybe. I know it definitely brings another atmosphere. I definitely think it adds an advantage when another team comes in. You're getting booed by all the Cameron crazies. But at the same time, if you're a Division One athlete, I feel like you should have this want to win and this want to not accept that you're on a three-game losing streak up until Georgia Tech. Um, so I really think it, they should try to get the most out of it, no matter what, whether they're fans or there's no fans. Okay, now I'm going to go back to you, and I'm going to take that same question. Do you think these empty stadiums have something to do with Carolina and Duke really not performing well? I mean, or are teams um, have a feeling that they can play better in those uh, arenas when they're empty? What are your thoughts, Natalie? I think it's going to have an impact no matter what. I think it might be too soon to tell if it's good or bad, but for the most part, I do think it's a negative effect especially for a team like Duke, that's such a unique environment to be able to play in and such a home court advantage. I think an interesting way this could take root is the effects we see from the Carolina Duke game. Usually the difference in that game is the home court advantage and it is a very close game typically. So if you take that out of the equation, I just think it's different and you could analyze it a lot of different ways, but especially for Duke, I think it's just innately negative. Okay, so here's my take. First Carolina-Duke game coming up, what is that, next week or the week after next? Um, Carol, I, I believe that the home team may, may lose or the home team may um, the home team may win by a lot of points. I believe that there's a distinct advantage playing Carolina-Duke in Cameron, a distinct advantage playing in the Dean Dome, and without that advantage, I think those one, two-point games are going to be erased. I think either the opposite team is going to win big or the home team is going to win big. That's my take uh, for, for, That's my take on that. All right, so, Remy, let's talk about uh, these this loss against Louisville. Coach K got a little snip, snippy with a student reporter, and the clip went all. What do you think about this interaction? Is, is Coach K losing it for the fact that he's actually not playing well? What are your thoughts? So I went back and watched it, and I I mean, I personally don't think it was awful. I think what he was trying to say was that they obviously need to go back and rewatch the game before they can make any adjustments moving forward. I mean, I think they're talking a lot about his delivery of how he approached the student and made it very personal in terms of like what he was majoring in and how he would feel if like his economics test didn't go well. And then someone asked about his next step moving forward, but obviously like this kid's not a seasoned reporter. So maybe he too, wasn't like used to interactions with coaches at that level and what could be said. So that might've taken him off guard. Um, but I definitely think coach K did the right thing and like apologizing, addressing it and actually having a conversation with the kid afterwards. So I feel like, on his end, he did what he could after the fact. But do you think losing is – the question I'm asking you, Remy, is do you think Coach K losing games is getting to him? Yes or no? I mean, he's definitely mad. Who would want to lose? Like, okay, I'd make me but, mad too. But, but Coach K is a professional. He's been doing this a long time. Are you saying that he doesn't lose well? What are you saying, Remy? I'd say he's frustrated. Okay. I, I want to butt in here and just say that 
I think Coach K is having a similar season or just a similar time to what Roy Williams felt last season. That's when you saw Roy Williams make a statement that was arguably his biggest mistake all season, talking about how his team was the least talented team he ever coached. I think Coach K (laughs) is starting to do that same thing because he's dealing with that same problem. And his response is doing things that are out of character that he, he should know better to say and do, and he's not. All right, great. Natalie, we're going to stick with you right now. And your Tar Heels beat NC State. They went and beat uh, Jeff Capel's pit team. Um, they've got a lot of confidence right now. How confident are you in Roy Williams and this team that Roy and the team will be ready for March? I can answer that very quickly. Not very, not very confident. Um, I mean, it's just echoing much of what I said before. I'm not sure what to expect, especially with the COVID season. There's so many things that are out of your control. So many protocols that are different than previously. There's a set formula that we can kind of expect what to see from UNC if they win this game, how it's going to go. All that's thrown out the window. I'm not sure how I feel about the team. I'm a little bit more convinced than I was previously, but I'm not, I'm not super convinced by any means. And I just think there's a lot left to be desired with this team. And it's kind of unpredictable because if the momentum switches, what happens then? You know, what if these close games went the other way? Where are we right now? Right. Okay. All right. So before we uh, move on, I want to kind of toss it to Connor. Connor, do you have any like interesting factoids about this season, COVID-19, that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, um, so I, I guess I just wanted to start with uh, going back to the, the student reporter thing. Um, Jake's actually in my, uh, in my class, so um, I've met him a few times, and uh, uh, it was his first question he's ever asked as a student journalist. Um, so he was totally not expecting like any of this. And and he That's was kind hot. of surprised by all of the all of the blowback, but it's definitely uh, helpful for him. Um, but yeah, so I honestly think this season's kind of like these teams are pretty much the same in terms of their makeup. I think they should both be looking to be very post centric, um, shoot less threes, and and I think that's why North Carolina is doing better than Duke. Um, Duke ranks 196th in the country. Um, in three-point percentage at 33.08%, but they are inside the top 100 for attempts. So if you're not good at shooting threes, stop shooting threes maybe. And I think that's what Carolina figured out. Um, they're only shooting 30.8% from three, but they only shoot 16.8, which is seven less than our 23 um, and a half a game. So it's, it's really, I think Roy has done a good job. Um, and this is more traditionally Roy's system is leaning on the bigs, but He's done a very good job getting it to Baycott, getting it to Brooks and keeping them the center of the offense. And I think um, Coach K needs to do a little bit more of that with Hurt and Jalen Johnson. And and I honestly really liked Mark Williams in the last game too. Um, I think he could be big moving forward. And I think he also helps us with our defensive rebounding, which has just been brutal all year. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. All 
All right. All right. So we're looking forward to the rest of the college basketball season. And both sides have some work to do to secure their spot in the, in the NCAA tournament. The Taros are sitting on the bubble. Duke is looking like they're going to miss the tournament. But I think because they're Duke, they're going to make that tournament. And, um, and thankfully, Duke fans have enough time to make up the distance to get into the tournament. Natalie, Tar Heels are riding high right now. What can Roy do to keep this momentum going and prepare for a really tough end of the season stretch of games? I think just as you said, he has to keep the momentum going. I really hope to continue to see strong play from Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott. I think they've been really great for this team. I think those were the two players that, you know, from last season, if, if the Tarios were going to be successful, they needed to step up. I also think the freshmen have to continue to play well because that backcourt is dependent on the freshmen. When Caleb Love plays well, it's it's a different team. I really like seeing Anthony Harris come off the bench in the NC State game. And I actually, Haas, want to just switch this back to you. Talk about your shooter that you think you called that they should have used weeks and weeks ago that is now making an impact because I think he's a piece in that as well. Okay, so let's talk about Kerwin Walton. Um, I watched him. I watched him come off the bench for the greater half of the season. And when he came off the bench, he looked like a guy who could shoot. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at a shooter, whether a shooter makes the bucket or he doesn't make a bucket, you look at his mannerisms when he takes a shot. And when I looked at Kerwin Walton, I said, this guy's a shooter. And I didn't understand why Roy kept going to play tech, why Roy kept going other directions to get to find his outside shooting. And every time this guy came in, he either made the shot or the shot looked like it wanted to go down. And um, so Kerwin's a guy that I've, I've kind of looked at and I said, look, I know you got these five stars. I know you got Caleb Love in there. I know you've got Leaky Black in there. I know you have all these superstars that you got to keep happy, Roy. But at the end of the day, game recognizes game. This kid can shoot. This kid can stretch the floor. This kid can help make it easier for Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott to do what they do is to get buckets in the paint because um, if you can stretch the floor, you can get players away from the paint and those guys can go to work. And if you've noticed since Kerwin Walton has been shooting, Armando's game and Garrison's game has gone through the roof. What do you think about that, Natalie? I agree with you. And I think you're right about having to keep the five stars happy. And I think also he wants to usher those upperclassmen into those roles first. So you're talking about a leaky black getting more playing time or Andrew Playtech. But at some point, and at this point in the season, we're not playing exhibition games anymore. We're in conference play. If they're not performing, then you put in other players like Kerwin. So I'm a little bit relieved to see that our outside shooter we're depending on isn't Andrew Playtech. Only because I think we've seen what we're, we're going to see from Playtech. Not writing him off, but I think we've seen what we're going to see. Whereas a player like him, we can continue to develop him. He'll get better as the season goes on. I agree. So let's talk to Remy. Remy, Duke has not missed the tournament in 25 years. The last time Duke missed the tournament was 1996. And, and all, all, all the way back to 1974. Let me tell you what, what, what's up, Remy. Down the stretch, Duke has FSU, UPA, Louisville, 
and they have to play UNC twice. My question to you is Duke right now is projected to miss the NCAA tournament for the first time in 25 years. With that schedule down the stretch, do you realistically think they can make it, Remy? I'm always going to have hope loss, um, but I really think it's going to depend on how we perform in the coming games. I feel like Tuesday against Georgia Tech, obviously a good sign, but I think it's going to really come down to the wire. I feel like we've really struggled to make plays down the stretch. We did on Tuesday, but that was a little odd for us. Um, Seeing Jalen Johnson in the second half was a good sign as well, but he wasn't good in the first half. He had two fouls. He fought, he, Felt like he couldn't drive to the basket, so he's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. I feel like our whole team's going to have to stay out of foul trouble for us, but Matthew Hurt and DJ Stewart need to contribute. But I also like what Connor said about Mark Williams maybe having another impact off the bench, Um, but it's really going to depend on how we perform, Haas. Okay, Remy, that was was nice, but you know Duke is making this tournament. Duke is going to win half those games go split with UNC and the NCAA is going to come out with a, uh, a new algorithm on how they get people into the tournament. And you know, Duke is going to be in the tournament, Remy. Uh, am is I correct? Is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing, Hoss? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because at the end of the day, these tournaments are, are about entertainment. They're about money. They're about uh, sponsorship sales. And without Duke in this tournament, I think that the ratings would be down. So I'm rooting for that creative algorithm that gets Duke into the tournament. And my projection is Duke is in the tournament. I'm sticking to it. Natalie, UNC's got Virginia down the stretch. They also have Florida State, who's clearly the top team in the ACC. Can North Carolina figure out a way to win the ACC or should they just be focused on making the tournament? What are your thoughts, Natalie? I say we just hammer trying to make this tournament. That's all that matters. We don't need to win the ACC. Florida State has beaten us even in years when we were a whole lot better than we are right now. Let's just make the tournament. Let's not get embarrassed. Let's save the embarrassment for just last year only. Call it a wash. Tournament didn't happen. Let's just get there. Okay, let me ask you, you know Roy has, historically, his teams have never played well in the first month, first one, two months of the season. Roy has been known for getting teams ready for March, right? My question to you is, is that what Roy is doing, is just getting this team to go deep down in the stretch in March and getting organized? Or is this Roy going to limp into the tournament Uh, because his team isn't as good as we projected it to be. I think that that's positive thinking ideology for this season. Maybe it's applied to previous seasons, but I personally do not think that this team is different enough from last year's team that ended up being a pretty big disappointment. In his words, the least talented group he's coached to really prove that wrong. And I think they're struggling right now because they're just struggling. Or do I think they're going to be marvelous, you know, come tournament time and, do a 180? I'm not sure. Could they potentially be playing better? That's likely. But I just don't think this is the North Carolina team 
that you've seen in previous years and could really count on only because last year's blow still hits hard with this squad. So if you fell asleep in 2017 and you're just now waking up in March of 2021, thinking that we're going to be another national title contender, we could be, we might not be though. All right. I, you know, here's my personal opinion. Roy needs four year players to coach him up um, and give guys a lot of time. And he needs seniors to win championships. I think that's the, those are the best team that Roy puts together, but Remy, I'm going to go to you. This season isn't really good. Coach K is still trying to find his rotation, who to play, who to play around Jalen Johnson. What do you think the game plan should be to going forward, considering that you have FSU, UVA, Louisville, and UNC twice down the stretch? What should be the game plan, Remy? I'm not. I, honestly, Haas, I don't have the answers. I don't think there's just one game plan that would work for us. I think for a start, I know that Coach K in his press conference before George Tech was like, we need to stay out of foul trouble. We need to not send them to the line as much. And they did that. So I guess that's one thing they succeeded in. But I think so finding little elements like that that can be beneficial towards our game and give us an advantage maybe. But obviously I think we need to continue to get the ball to Matthew Hurts since he's consistently the guy showing up and making plays for our team and has the experience that we're kind of lacking with zero veteran players. Also, hopefully Jalen Johnson, after his performance in the second half against Georgia Tech, can really continue to make an impact for us. Okay. So, Remy, that's nice. Yeah. But let me tell you what if I was Coach what K. What do you think, Haas? I'm going to tell you what I think. I think if I'm Coach K, I would put these teams down on my board, and I would say, this is the mountain we've got to climb, guys. We've got to win two out of three of these next matchups and we're in. You know why we're in? Because we're f- Duke. Duke gang. That's what I would say, okay? Um, and I would tell my team, you know, look at the schedule. Look at what we got to do. If we're close, we're in. And that would be my conversation. You know why? Because they're Duke. Duke, if they get close, they're going to be in. And that's how I would mo- motivate my guys. I would say, look, Here's the reality. If we get close on that bubble, we're in. You know why? Because you're wearing that D on your shirt. We're Duke, and the NCAA cannot operate without us. They can try, but they're not going to make the money that they need to make. Natalie, go ahead. Wait, what adjustments would you make moving forward, though? Like, what would you – you have – I feel like you have to enter with a game plan, at least something. The game game plan should be – the game plan should be get Jalen Johnson the ball, okay? Get Jalen Johnson the ball and live and die with Jalen Johnson and everybody else just rebound, rebound, do play defense, and let Jalen Johnson decide everything. Let him pass from the post. Let him shoot from the post. Let him be the guy that – decides whether Duke is going to win or lose. So you get it to him in the post and he can play as a point forward and let him direct this team because this is the only guy on the team from my perspective that really looks like he knows what he, what's going on out there and looks like he can read the defenses, read the competition and know when it's time to go to the hole and when it's time to kick and find an open 
jump shooter. So that would be my – I would ride Jalen Johnson into the tournament. Okay? Natalie, we're back to you. How confident are you that the Tar Heels are going to win in the Blue Blood rivalry game? Are you confident, Natalie? I think it's typically a 50-50 just because anything can happen in a rivalry game. But I think even more so this year with such evenly matched teams, it will really be a toss-up. Your guess is as good as mine. So with that being no. said, what is your guess, Haas? No. I, I you mean, think, I you have, think there's going to be home court advantage. That's what you said. You think whoever no, has the game. No, there's no advantage. There's no home court advantage. It's going to be the team that wakes up on the right side of the bed is going to win. It's going to have nothing to do with going into uh, the Dean Dome and playing before no – I mean, not playing before anybody – it's going to be the guy with the hot hand that day is going to win or the team that gels the best that day. They're both, they're both not very good. Neither venue offers an advantage. I think it's going to be the worst blue blood rivalry in the history of blue blood rivalries. That's my, that's what I'm saying. I think it's going and to be I'm an not, ugly game. I'm right there with you. I am not, my guess is this isn't far off. I think it may not be a great game, but if you want to talk any amount of edge or favorability for a squad, at least UNC has some momentum right now. I'm so excited to watch, even if it will be bad. <laughs> Remy, why are you excited to watch this blue blood rivalry game? Why? Because Okay, because I feel like everything goes out the window when it comes to these games. Like, it doesn't matter what one team's done in the past, one team if one team's better than the other. I feel like everyone wants to win and there's just a different atmosphere surrounding it. Yes, I get it. There's no fans, but still like as an athlete, I want to beat Carolina every time I play. It hasn't happened this past year, but I still want to every time. And I enter the game with a different mentality. Okay. But Remy, these five stars, you know, you have a bunch of five stars on your bench. Carolina has a bunch of five stars. These guys came here to play on a Wednesday, a Wednesday or a Thursday night in front of a packed house, in front of the entire nation, two times a year. They didn't come here to play in an empty gym. Let's be honest. Cameron isn't a nice gym without the fans. It's just an old gym. You can talk about Cameron being this nostalgic place, and it's all of that. But without the fans, without the Cameron crazies, without Towel Man, without all the nuances that go on at Duke, without students camping out for the game, this thing is different. This is not a Blue Blood rivalry game. This is a game inside a gymnasium. Now, on the Carolina side, this isn't the blue blood rivalry. The Carolina goes guy goes there to that he wants to go to the Dean Dome, twenty two thousand fans, not a seat in the house, an angry mob w- that wants to just tear Coach K's head off. All that's not going to be there. So for me, this is just a scrimmage in a big gym, and it's just going to be a scrimmage with bad shooting because nobody can shoot on either side of the ball. So, as a fan of basketball. If I don't have all this other stuff and the basketball is poor, 
I don't think it's going to be a great game, and I don't think it's going to be a great fan game because the fans, how are they going to translate that through the television? What are your thoughts, Natalie, on that same topic? I really would have to agree with you, and I, I don't think we've seen a Blue Blood rivalry game like this yet, and I'm just curious to see what happens. But I do think you're right. A lot of the allure of this game and the novelty of the rivalry is is lost, and that's bad news for kind of the money-hungry NCAA right now who's coming off $600 million in revenue losses without March Madness. So they need to find a way to get the attention back on basketball. I'm glad the tournament's happening. I'm glad this rivalry game can happen, but it's very far removed from the former glory of just a couple seasons ago of what this rivalry can be about. Yeah, and, and even from a fan perspective, if I'm watching the Duke-Carolina game, I'm going to watch it with a few Duke fans. I'm going to call a couple of my Duke friends. We're going to go to a bar. We're going to go to my house because I'm playing for the win. With COVID-19, I can't even bring that guy to my house so that, you know, all I want to do is look at him and say, ha ha, we beat you. We beat you again. We beat you. We're better than you, right? Because that is rivalry. Rivalry is about who gets the win. I'm going to get the win. And who am I going to talk to? I'm going to zoom. What am I going to zoom them and say, ha ha, I got the win on zoom or something. Um, this is going to be a different thing. This is going to be very interesting in terms of how the players respond to playing this specific two games in an empty gym and how the fans react to not being in that culture. The thing that separates Carolina and Duke rivalry from any other rivalry is that this rivalry is the only rivalry in America where the fan bases live amongst each other. Ohio State, Michigan, two different states, okay? Duke, Carolina, everybody lives amongst each other. Yankees, Yankees, Boston, two different states, okay? Um, you think about all the classic rivalries but this is the only rivalry where people live amongst each other. They work with each other. And this is kind of like uh, Manchester United, Manchester City rivalry, where the fans live on different sides of the highways, and but they live and work amongst each other. Those dynamics will not be there. And that's why this is going to be one of the most boring rivalry games ever in the history of the Duke North Carolina rivalry, and I'm sticking to that. My name is Hassan Pinto. I'm with Natalie Bodie. I'm with Remy Swartz and our super producer, Connor Dominovich. Until next time, we out. We out. We out. I be feeling like I don't be popping enough. I be humble. I'ma keep showing my ass. I won't hang up the phone on that block the numb. I told you don't play with me. And she be acting funny, probably think need. I thought I was faking, she say I'm a cheat. They thought I was taking, I'm ready to mingle. The fuck is you saying, I do my little dancey dance. I got my pants with bands, quit playing. And I don't think they talk is cheap, cause now when they talk to me, they paying me. I probably say the word too much. I'm a real, I don't be giving the Tommy Hill figure fits with coming up. When you stay down like this, you rock Vinny. Okay. He broke his hip, put a boot on him. I hit the put out, put a move on him. He wanna be just like baby for real on the low, tryna do what I do, don't Yeah, just so you prepared, I'ma let you know. They probably told you I'm scared, but I'm ready though. No, the industry can't take the hood out of me. About to go get some from a ghetto. They do it nasty. Pull up new whip and it's flashy. Gun on my hip and it's plastic. This the deluxe. I like her, but don't give a. I'm 
rough, I'm a daddy. That's how I live. She told me she wanna have kids. I told her don't know what that is. That ain't how we speak. I broke her heart in the peace. She probably gonna call Dr. Phil. I be feeling like I don't be popping enough. I be hopping. I'm just showing my ass if I want it. Hang up the phone on that block to know. I told you don't play with me. And she be acting funny. Probably think I need it. I thought I was fake. She say I'm a cheat. They thought I was taking. I'm ready to mingle. The fuck is you saying?